Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Oh my gosh, the Gen.Health platform is finally here. I am so incredibly excited to finally be able to introduce this to you to say, go to Gen.Health, put in your phone number and get access. You're going to get access to a full self-assessment that we have where I really talk you through it all. But also you get curated 30-day plans based on your needs. So whether it's neck pain, back pain, knee pain, foot pain, whatever it is, there is a day-to-day follow-along program and it's not going to take much of your time. I made sure to set it up in a way that it was like 10 to 15 minutes based on what you need. And it really doesn't need to take that long for you to finally start to feel something different in your body if you stick to this on a day-to-day basis. And now we're going to have different phases for each plan. You also have an explore section. So you can ditch scrolling my Instagram and just go in there, type in what you need, find those videos and start to get immediate help and access into your body. Your favorite Instagram videos, I'm sure you've saved and folders you maybe don't look at. (laughs) You're going to have full access to it on the Gen Health platform. Now go type it in. We're giving 33% off. So you'll get full access for this for a week. You get free access. However, you also are going to get 33% off if you commit to really doing this for your body and your health and diving in for the full year. We really want to make this accessible. We really want to just keep making it better. So we want you to get in and help grow with us. I'm also going to be popping on lives, bringing in other healthcare professionals and continuing to expand this in a way that you continue to learn about your health. I'm so excited to see you explore, see you in the app and be able to communicate with you on a weekly basis to really understand your needs and continue to help you feel better. All right, knee pain. So we're talking knee pain today. And specifically, we're going to talk about something called chondromalacia, which is a big fancy word that will start to break down for you and talk a little bit about why it happens, what it means, how it develops and how we might be able to prevent it or work on our symptoms if we're having them. Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, as we start to talk about this, you'll start to understand this. But Dom and I haven't formally been diagnosed with chondromalacia. However, we have had and experienced some symptoms. So we honestly wouldn't be surprised if we did some imaging and quite possibly we were found to be in like early stages of chondromalacia. But we'll talk more about why that might be later in the podcast. Yeah. So what does this actually mean? Chondromalacia, the the word chondro or the root chondro means cartilage. Malacia means softening. So it really just means soft cartilage, and mm-hmm. we're sp- specifically talking about the knee. And with chondromalacia, it happens on the bottom of the kneecap or the mm-hmm. patella. So right underneath the patella that kind of tracks up and down when we bend and extend our knee. On the bottom of that, we start getting this softening of the cartilage. Yeah. And this is like an articular cartilage structure that it's... Articular meaning it's on... Two joint. joints that are touching each other yes. or moving along each other. Causing that front of the knee pain, right? Because you're starting to think, oh, if there is some cartilage damage, damage, I'll put in quotes, that's starting to happen from that softening, you know, that's causing pain. Well, technically speaking, articular cartilage 
doesn't have any free nerve endings, meaning that it it can't necessarily register to the brain that it's causing pain. However, what it what does happen when that softening and that rubbing starts to happen in the back of the kneecap is that swelling usually happens within the area. And when we get swelling in an area, that's what's then pushing on nerves and stuff and causing some signals to the brain to say, hey, this is painful or this movement is painful and we start to experience some pain usually with like squats or running or jumping. And this kind of happens with a lot of cartilage type disorders. It's Mm -hmm. almost like chicken or the egg. What comes first? (laughs) Like is the cartilage damaged first or was there inflammation and swelling first? We don't really know because like you alluded to earlier, so many of these people will show on imaging that they have something like this. They have softening or damage of the cartilage, but they're not showing any symptoms. You know, our joints just have this, quote, natural degeneration over life. And we're seeing all these studies that say, oh, images will come up showing that 40 out of 100 people have this, but aren't showing any symptoms, which is something that's really important to pay attention to, that we can't really look at the image and try to say, oh, you have this much damage. You should be feeling pain. Like, no, the image isn't going to tell you how to feel. You feel how you feel. Exactly. So just pay attention to that because our symptoms don't always equate to the severity of the stage that you're in with chondromalacia. So that's okay. There's four different stages. We're not going to go through every single little stage because I think what's most important, what you want to know, right? What do you do about it? Yeah. <laughs> and and really, before we even get into that, like, how does this happen? Like, mm-hmm. why might you start getting softening of that tissue in the back of the kneecap? And again, we can't always specifically say exactly why, but we can start to speculate based on occurrences that happen within the body. So was it trauma? Was it tightening of different muscles around the area? We have to think about a lot of muscles that connect into the knee. And there's a lot all the way from our ankles connecting up the muscles that connect from our ankles to our knee and the muscles that connect from our knee to our hip, you know? So there's a lot going on there. And when we have different tightnesses, we can have different imbalances and that can sometimes play into overuse in the tissue that can play mm-hmm. into, you know, instability in an area. We're specifically talking about the knee. And then when they say maltracking of that patella, which we've actually done a podcast, I just remembered on tracking of the patella. Yeah, I mean, we've done podcasts on tracking of the patella, on patellofemoral syndrome, which I feel like to me, this almost lands in a category of patellofemoral syndrome because the pain area is very similar, just right on the front of that knee. And I think you you pointed out a couple of big ones like trauma. If you are in an impact sport or if you've had an injury in basketball or football or a car accident or something like that, this overuse type thing, like our movement patterns, I'm never going to say a movement pattern caused this. I'm also never going to say that our movement patterns don't impact our tissues at all. Like how we do things repetitively is going to have an impact on how our tissues develop, on how they look, on how they, you know, degenerate or build or whatever over time. Mm -hmm. So we always have to be paying attention to our quality of movement and how we're moving. If we're super restricted in a certain movement in our hip, that should be something we pay attention to because that's going to affect how we move down through the knee. And it was even showing like if you're standing like prolonged pronation of your foot even. So Mm -hmm. pronation meaning like the flattening of the inside of Mm -hmm. the foot. A lot of people complain of increased excessive pronation of your foot, right? So, but if you think about it, if you are just standing with the inside of your foot just flattening to the ground, 
most of the time, majority of the time, and that's kind of where you hang out, those tissues are starting to kind of pull that direction. And that pull is going to have an effect up to the knee. So just like you mentioned, what's happening from the hip, you know, any hip restrictions, we also have to think about what's happening at the foot, any Mm -hmm. foot ankle restrictions that impacts the knee. And that's what we're going to talk about in a minute here for, you know, some of the solutions. But I think that's why you and I have also experienced like to like, maybe we have a little bit of, you know, chondromalacia because we've heard things in our knee, mm-hmm. right? Like this is called crepitus, which we've already done, also done a podcast on knee crepitus, those noises, that rice crispy yeah. crackling you might hear when you're doing squats or going up and down stairs, um, which you and I have both experienced. Yeah. And I really wouldn't be surprised if we took an image and they're like, oh, you have some issues going on with that cartilage because I've had knee injuries before. Mm-hmm. I've had meniscal injuries on both of my knees or that padding between the knees. And so that's a a trauma-based injury Um, that's going to affect how my knees develop and are used over time. I also played football and took lots of hits in the knees. I had one bursa sack, you know, like, I don't want to say blow, but, you know, inflate on my right knee throughout a football season. And so I've had a lot of different inflammation around my knees throughout life. And I wouldn't be surprised if my tissue showed that, you know, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to have pain until I die or get a knee replacement or something. There are always things that we can do. Are you having pain? Not currently, no, which is very, you know, it's, it's interesting because even my right knee that I had a meniscal surgery on, I had a meniscectomy where they take out some of my meniscus. I actually re-injured and I've had locking in that knee where I actually will do something and my knee won't quite fully straighten out. And I know how to fix that and not panic and stuff. And um, the way that I've kind of trained myself, I feel very stable in that knee. I know when I'm going into a movement pattern that might result in my knee locking. So I've just kind of trained my body to not avoid those movement patterns, but control through them mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, and so, again, then what we're going to talk into is how to train more control at your knees through the strength that you have. Yeah. And even sometimes what you can do, like, you know, the, that crepitus, that sound you might hear in your knee isn't necessarily bad. And we talk about that obviously a lot more. However, there are ways that we can start to work around our leg and, and around our entire body to start to reduce some of those even symptoms that we might hear that mm-hmm. could potentially like be associated with pain. So mm-hmm. let's get into what we can do about it, right? And one of the first areas that we start, which everyone knows me for, <laughs> is mobility. <laughs> yes, and mobility, you know, the knee bends one way. That's usually what we teach it forward and back. There's a little bit of rotation between the tibia, our lower leg, and femur, our upper leg. But we mostly, you know, know that the knee goes forward and back. It flexes and extends. So we always want to look at the hip and the ankle. Mm -hmm. Those two joints have a lot more mobility in a lot different ranges and directions. So being able to test our hip in internal and external rotation is huge. And one thing that I know you always do and I have learned to love is the 90-90. Mm-hmm. Get yourself in a 90-90 and see what your hip mobility is like on both sides in both internal and external rotation and see if you have any deficits or have anywhere that you're like, wow, that is really tight. That is not comfortable. 
that's probably what you need to work on a little bit more. Exactly. And we don't even think about that. I remember one time a girlfriend was complaining about knee pain and she went and like put her legs in in crisscross applesauce, you know, when you kind of sit cross-legged. And she was like, you know, it's really hard to get my hip to kind of rotate in this direction. And I and I do have pain in my knee on this side. Do you think that could be related? And I'm like, I'm so glad that your brain is already thinking that way, 100%. Yeah. You know, if we're lacking rotation and movement from our access point, which is our hips, you know, from our center of our body, well, then what's going to start taking over some pressures? and some torque and some added rotation where we don't have a whole bunch of rotation, Mm -hmm. probably the knee. So retraining how we move those hips is so crucial. And then we, we also want to address, like we said in the beginning, you know, those muscles that connect into the knee. Mm -hmm. So getting that hamstring mobility, getting that quad mobility, you know, is so incredibly huge. A lot of us are putting so much tension on our quads and not doing much to address that tension and that tightness. Yeah. And then another one that comes from the ankle all the way crossing the knee is our gastroc or what you know as your calf. It's that big calf muscle on the back and being able to know how to stretch that, even just doing a wall stretch or getting to a step every once in a while and doing some heel raises with a little bit of elevation. Mm-hmm. That can be huge. And honestly, putting attention you know, by by rolling these areas consciously, not just, you know, foam rolling super quick, but like finding areas of tightness and restriction that our body normally holds on to and starting to breathe into those areas. You can notice that if you start to to get into some of those areas along the the front of the thigh, the quad or the back of the hamstring or the calf muscle, and you start to kind of breathe into those, open them up, do a little active mobility in those hips. And then you start to do your workout and you're you're squatting. You might notice some reduced sounds and definitely reduced tension and pain. Yeah. And so once we've kind of addressed our mobility, then it's how can I control throughout all that mobility? How can I make sure that I'm controlling that hip range? I'm, I'm paying attention to what my knees are doing and not just letting them kind of <laughs> roam all over the place when I'm going into squats or lunges. Yeah. I mean, and that's where before we even talk about those big heavy hitters and those big muscles like our glutes and our hamstrings and all of that, you know, I think coming back into that inner stability is going to help control our pelvis movement and then going to help control how we use those glutes, how we use those quads and hamstrings. So um, this is where we talk into that inner core stability, which we've talked Mm -hmm. about on a lot of podcasts, understanding you know, and we could do this right now. So we take a deep breath in from our low rib cage, low rib cage, so not up into our shoulders. But if you take a deep breath into your low rib cage, you can put your hands around your rib cage, kind of feel it too. As you breathe out, you want to feel that rib cage kind of drop without moving the spine. And at the same time that it exhales and drops, you want to feel that pelvic floor kind of elevator up and in. So it all works together. And when we and and you're still breathing there, right? After you fully exhale, you still want to be like, okay, can I control and breathe into that? But once we get that inner core canister, mm-hmm. you know, that's when we can start to build those bigger movement patterns and stability. Yeah, I. I- I always think of a wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man. <laughs> you know, those things that Great are out image. by, yeah. those things that are out by the, you know, like a car lot or whatever, just like flopping <laughs> all around. Like if you aren't paying attention to that core stability, like that's what I feel like. We have some friends who will be like, 
baseball athletes or whatever. And I always, I, I always think of baseball athletes because I always feel like baseball athletes have spine issues when they mm-hmm. get older because they're always so focused on how much power they can throw through their arms and legs without understanding or focusing on how they transfer it through their core. So that's where I think of the wacky inflatable arm flailing <laughs> tube and just throwing their arms around and their core is just at the mercy of that. But if you do what you just talked about, find that stability. Then when we start to move our glutes, our shoulders, all that kind of stuff, we aren't going to be all over the place nearly as much. Yeah. So exactly. how do we then start to build strength in those glutes and balance, like starting with something as simple as isometric exercises, which means you're not moving, like mm-hmm. maybe a wall sit, mm-hmm. right? your knees in a nice comfortable spot right over the ankle. You're just sitting, trying to squeeze into those glutes, feel those glutes, feel the quads on the top of your thighs, find that core stability in that wall sit and try sitting there and breathing for 20, 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it just starts to load the quads, which loads the knee, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's it's not bad. We need to start loading the knee and not being so afraid of it. Mm -hmm. That is how we're going to start to move forward and get out of that knee pain is by by slowly and progressively tapping into that sensitivity of that knee. So wall sets great place to start i love the reverse nordic so that's where you're kneeling on your knees squeezing your buns so that you're completely stacked from your shoulders to your knees and then you slowly lean back as much as you can and come forward and what that does is it's kind of improving that mobility first in your quad as well but we're also we're putting load through that length in that quad so it's a great exercise to start building the tension in the knees the tension in the quads and getting that mobility through the quads yeah and then another great one is goblet squats Mm -hmm. or anything that you're holding weight on the front i mean it wouldn't not a lot of people jump right to doing like a barbell front squat but a goblet squat especially with those heels elevated Because some people might feel like, oh, I can't get down very far. If you just elevate those heels a little bit, that puts you in a position where your knees can track forward a little bit more. (gasps) What? I know, which some people (laughs) think is like a curse word, allowing your knees to track forward a little bit. And it's, again, going to load you primarily through the quads rather than your glutes. So teaching those knees nice and comfortable load, even if you're doing it without a weight to start, just Mm -hmm. elevating those heels on a book, on some five or two pound dumbbells, and seeing how far down you can go and paying attention. What do my knees do? Do they want to kind of track all over the place or are they going right over the center of my foot? Or do you stick your bottom out and and want to do a regular squat? I mean, yeah. so often, and I've even seen this with friends where I look at them and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're going in, their heels are elevated. Heels elevated takes your ankles out of the picture. So we don't have to worry about not squatting all the way down. However, a lot of people will still elevate those heels and then dive those hips back. And it's completely taking out the concept of what this is trying to do. When you're doing heels elevated squat, think of your tailbone and your bottom literally dropping straight down. And this is going to be a completely different movement pattern. And you don't even have to go all the way down if it feels too painful. Like go to where you can tolerate and try to hold it for a few seconds and then come back up. Like that's another type of isometric hold building into that tolerance of that knee and rebuilding that resilience and and strength for that knee to be able to hold you and then another one to work more so on glute strength or our hip strength would be going to some sort of deadlift instead of the goblet squat where you're where you are trying to hinge more at the hips and maybe kind of sit that bottom back a little bit more that's again going to kind of 
allow you to use your glutes where your knees are going to be in that stable position right over the ankle. Mm -hmm. And so doing a deadlift with both legs, maybe a little bit of resistance, and then even trying to transition into something like a single leg deadlift, single leg RDL, where your leg is a little bit straighter. That's going to help really promote that stability on one leg using that hip control along with that core control. Who's and for, the hamstrings. Yeah, who's forgot about that core that we were talking about earlier, right? Are yeah. we still focusing on how we're controlling and creating that foundational pillar as we go through that deadlift? Another great one. Oh, totally. I love those. And then and that we mentioned balance as well. Mm-hmm. So huge for the body to start to learn where it is in space and, and be controlled throughout the entire limb. So any kind of single leg exercise, really. Like I love the six-way reach because it really challenges your body. You don't have to be on any unstable surface, literally on the ground on one leg and you reach for, you tap forward barely, don't t- touch the other leg, but just barely tap it forward, tap it backwards, tap it out to the side, cross it, tap it to the other side and then rotate the hip in so that you rotate and tap in and then rotate and tap out all the while holding on one single leg and trying not to, lose balance and control. It's tough. Absolutely. And that's when you're really, really going to notice that core, Mm -hmm. like what's happening to that core when you're doing that? Is your pelvis wanting to kind of like wobble all over the place? Because it's tough, especially if it's not something that you've trained. And a great thing to do if you're doing this for the first time is try and stand with like a finger on the wall. Mm -hmm. Just when, when you're trying to start it out, just put one finger on a wall and that can really help you to understand, okay, this is how I orient to this new you know, motion that I'm doing with all these taps and then slowly work away from that wall. And you'll be amazed at just doing this once a day. All right, I'm going to do three taps in each direction. How quickly you'll start to build that hip and core stability. And more importantly, how that impacts your knee and the control that you feel over in your knees throughout your day. Because then anytime you need a bend or do anything, you've <laughs> kind of done those taps where it's just like, oh, I'm a little bit more familiar with this movement. Mm-hmm. And one last one I just want to, I thought of, and I, I think is so, so important, especially when people are dealing with knee pain is, is relearning step up, step downs, lateral steps, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, which I've shown a ton on my Instagram. However, like just in general, like let's think about when you're going upstairs, can you think of dropping your hips back a lot more and kind of leaning your shoulders forward with a straight spine? Still think about that inner core. But you'll notice that if you sit your hips back and just like kind of walk up the stairs that way, you'll notice like a lot less pressure on your knees and more work into your glutes. So it's a good way to start mm-hmm. some hip glute awareness. And then and then we do want to start progressing, you know, getting that knee comfortable going forward, sitting up a little bit more on that step up. And then even being conscious of it, of like sitting up a little bit more on the step down as you're going downstairs. But to start, like if you are dealing with knee pain, dive your hips back as you go upstairs and downstairs and you'll start to see a difference. And slowly over time, like this is just an exercise in itself. If you have stairs in the house, just start to say, okay, how much do I need to lean forward to kind of take off pain? Now, how much can I start to like sit up a little bit more to allow my knee to go forward and and start to not feel that pain? It's a great progression just in the home. And it's really functional. And that's generally where a lot of people will feel their knee pain is going up or downstairs. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the most common complaints when people are having knee pain, especially in the front of that knee. So I love it because it's really functional and it starts to put together a lot of the things that we were just working on. You know, there's components of that single leg deadlift and the six way taps, mm-hmm. all that will help you get into comfortably doing those stairs. So chondromalacia, softening of the cartilage, 
Is it really super involved in the pain we're feeling? Maybe, maybe not. What degree is that involved in how severe our symptoms are? The main thing is, let's get that calmed down. Then how do we build up some mobility throughout the system in the ankle, knee, and hip? Start to strengthen in all those areas, including that core. Don't forget the core. And then put it into the function of our real lives. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode. I hope that you're really enjoying these episodes. And if you have feedback for us, like drop into our DMs, let us know. We want to hear from you. What is it that you still need to know? What is it that you don't understand? And how can we really help you get access back into your body so you can start to feel something different? That's what we're here for. And we hope that you're continuing to learn. Please subscribe. Please pass this podcast along to your friends and family that you know can use support in these areas as well. And hopefully we'll see you on the next one.